thanks for listening to The Church at 112, where we gather together to encourage and equip each other into a growing relationship with Jesus. Now, here's today's message. When I preach, I usually have like this big idea, like this, if there was like one thing I could tell you, there's, this is the main thing, if you can just remember one thing, it's it. And it's usually a, like a theological truth, right? Uh, one of the ones that I like to, to say a lot, because it's true, is that only Jesus can rescue us from the deadly reality of a dark forever. Like that's, that's one that I, I do a lot, because I believe it. Um, a couple weeks ago, the big idea was that God spent it all so we could have it all. We talked about Jesus the Christ. Recently, I said that people with bold faith consistently infuse their lives with scriptures. Like these are big ideas and they're theological truths that I, that I want for us, that I hope for us to hold on to, but not today. today today's big idea, we'll get to it in a moment, but today's big idea is, is an action step. It's a challenge. It's an application. It's something that I would love for us to all try out. Some of us, that we're, we've been trying this out for years. Some of us, we're, it might be a big deal just for us to try it out for one day. But I love where we're going, and I feel like what better way to start a new year than with that. So I want you to go on and flip with me to, flip, uh, to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. I want to tell you that I, don't, I didn't always like sushi. Like, while you flip there, I want to tell you I didn't always like sushi. It wasn't, I used to... I don't know if it was like the stories that I heard or what, but like sushi can have bacteria. It can have, it can have parasites. Like I remember growing up and I heard stories about parasites in sushi. So much so like, can you imagine this? Like all of a sudden, like you're eating one day, you're just eating sushi like, like you do. And all of a sudden like you start to feel some tingles in your left hand and then it starts to swell up a lot and it looks a little strange. And then they have to, by the, by the end of the day, they amputate your, from your forearm down because you ate sushi. And like, these were the kind of stories that filled my mind as a kid, as a teenager. And some of it, it's, it's, it's these, it's, it's something that scares me, or maybe I feel as unsafe, or I feel as dangerous. We call it fear, right? It's, I was afraid of it. I was afraid of sushi. I remember I was, it was like 2003. And we were in Orlando, I was with a youth group, and we go to this, <laughs> I have no clue, we walked around from our hotel to this sushi bar. And, and I say sushi bar, it was, it, all they served was sushi, there was a conveyor belt. Have you ever been to one of those places and had a conveyor belt of sushi? And so like this conveyor belt that's going, I don't know if they do that now with COVID, you know, times, but back in 2003, like there was a conveyor belt and you could pick any plate you wanted with any sushi you wanted and you just grab it. I'm like, I'm gonna bite the bullet here. I'm either gonna live or die trying. This is going to be a good thing. I was having an emotional reaction to something that I viewed was dangerous, something that I was afraid of, something that I had fear of. King David in Psalm 34, there's this, just I want to remind you at this point, and maybe you've heard stories of King David, he had already slayed Goliath. Goliath, of a, his, Goliath was from a place called Gath. He'd slayed Goliath, this giant. He was a, maybe a teenage boy, slayed this giant and then like chopped his head off and he walked around in the city with his head. This is not what kids hear about when they hear about David and Goliath, by the way. They hear, oh, he went to the brook and he got five smooth stones and he, he's, he got off the head and he's like, he marching it through the city. He's like, look what I did. And so like people started singing these songs about him. They would say like Saul killed his thousands and David had killed his tens of thousands. Like people were already starting to champion this 
this guy who wasn't quite king just yet. This was this David. But David, I think in the same way or similar way that I was maybe afraid of sushi, and maybe there's some things that you're afraid of. David in Psalm 34 was afraid of some things. Like there was something going on in that moment that he was afraid of, that he had fears about. 1 Samuel 21 actually tells us the story. You don't have to flip there, but 1 Samuel 21 tells us this story of David. He, he goes, he flees, he's trying to get away from Saul, and he flees finally to this one place, an area of the world called Gath, where Goliath was from. And so he goes to Gath, the king of Gath, he meets with him, and it says that he was afraid of him. It says, David fled that day from Saul's presence and went to the king of Gath. And the king's servant said to him, well, isn't this David, the king of the land? Didn't they sing about him? Like, he's got a song already. It's popular. It's like at the top of the charts. And they're like, we don't even have charts. Like, we've heard it all the way from their place. We, we heard about this David. David took this to heart, and he became very afraid of the king of Gath. Like, because his reputation had started to, to like, it had gone out to other countries. He became very afraid of Gath. I want to ask you a question before we get into Psalm 34. Like, what makes you uncomfortable? What makes you uncomfortable? What makes you afraid? What are some things that you're afraid of? For some of us, like, maybe we're afraid of, like, what if I start really plugging in to C-112? Like, what if, what happens... I tell you this, I've looked in people's eyes and I'm like, hey, I want you to get, I want you to get plugged in. Like, yeah, that's a good idea, but I see the fear in their eyes. Before you know it, they're like, I want to retreat to somewhere safe. Like a, a bigger place, a smaller place, somewhere where I can just blend in, somewhere where I don't have any responsibilities. What would happen if, if we started to, to plug our money into the things that we really care about? And like, I'll tell you this, I care about food. I plug my money into food. What if you started to plug your money into things bigger than you? like into people, into, into the things of God. Like what if we were like, man, I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to give every now and then, man, I'm going to give faithfully to mission work, or I'm going to give faithfully to C-112, or I'm going to give faithfully to, like I love it, Samaritan's Purse. They came out with like this big old catalog. Did y'all get it this year? Like they gave me this big old catalog of like ways that you could give to people without, like you could give chickens. Like, what kind of cool Christmas present is that? Like, you're giving people in another country who have nothing, you're giving them chicken so they can go out and get food every day. Not, like, they're not eating the chickens, they're eating eggs. But eventually, one day, someone draws the short end of the stick, you're not producing, and like, hey, we're going to eat you. Or you're like, you could, you could buy a well. You could, you could pay for a well, like 10, 10 grand. You could pay for a well, or you could pay for water treatment. You could pay for, so cool. But why, maybe why are we afraid of these things? What if, like maybe one of the things that we're afraid of, like what if I trust God? Like that's one of the things that I get afraid of sometimes. Like I see it in people's eyes, especially in my line of work, Monday through Friday when I'm going to see, seeing people and I'm talking with them about faith. And I'm like, what would happen if you trusted God with all of your energy at this point in your life? And they're scared of it. They're like, James, if I put all of my eggs, there's that chicken again, what if I put all of my eggs in this one basket? Like, that's a big step of faith. I'm like, yeah, it is. What would happen if you did that? If you put all your time into it, like a lot of us, like, I don't know what your time looks like, what your schedules look like, how you spend your time, but what if we started to put all of our time into God's stuff? Well, you know, I could probably give up 20 minutes of scrolling on social media for, for 20 minutes of reading the Bible, or I could give up, you know, playing video games for 20 minutes. I found one over the holidays. 
It's a Lego game because I can't play really complex or hard games that make my anxiety go up, so I play Lego games. I downloaded it. It was like five bucks. I'm like, oh, I can do that. I can, I can pay five. What if I gave up 20 minutes of that? I'm like, man, I'm going to like soak my mind into things of God, maybe things I don't understand so that God can like show me. It's like working out. Like we have to work at it to learn more of it. So what does your fear cause you to do? Like these things that you're afraid of, and I don't know what you're afraid of. I know what I'm afraid of. For me, like when, when I've been afraid of things, like my fear of whatever it was, it's caused me, for example, when God impressed on my heart that I, I, he, needed, he wanted me to serve him the rest of my days. I was in high school. I was excited at first. It was, it's an exciting feeling to know that God wants to use you, but then like I ran from God. I will run as quickly as I can from the things of God when I get afraid. God's like, hey, James, I want you to go plant a church. Well, where? I'm not going to tell you that yet. I remember like when he called us to plant a church. It was October when he called me. Mary had already like, felt that on her heart for a while, but it was October of 2018, and I was on the Sea of Galilee. I'm like, where do you want to go, God? He's like, I'm going to give that to you later. He didn't give that October, November, December. He didn't give that to me for at least four more months that it would be here in this area to reach the people in these surrounding areas where 60% of people don't do God, Jesus, Buddha, nothing. They do nothing. They are at home. Maybe they're sleeping. Maybe they're on their boat right now. Today would be a good day to, uh, today would not be a good day to be on the boat. Yesterday was. Maybe they would be out on the golf course. Maybe they'd be like, hey, I'm just going to be online shopping or on TikTok or spending money I don't have, whatever. I don't know. 60% of this area. And it took them four months because I wasn't ready for it. I, I might not still be ready now. Sometimes we escape from God. We try to hide from God. Do you remember like the very first people that tried to hide from God when they were afraid of him? Adam and Eve. Like, oh, there's a God in heaven that gave us everything that we need. And we've disappointed him. So they ran away. And God's like, where are you? God knew where they, where they were. Like, we hid from you. We were afraid. And we're naked. He's like, oh, I know what you did. I know what you did last summer. We can't, I want to tell you this. And this is, this is so simple. And we're not even going to write it down, but it's going to be something that's going to sink and rattle around in your brain for ages. Is that we can't outrun God. We can't. I remember I tried to outrun God for a couple years. 20 years ago, I tried to outrun God for a couple years. And I finally gave up. I'm like, God, you win. I, there's no place I can go that you are not already there. He's always closer than we think. So for David, for David, it led him. Look at, well, you don't have your scripture. 1 Samuel 21, he was afraid. Listen to this. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. <laughs> Sounds like my kids. He acted like a madman around them. He scribbled on the doors of the gate and he let saliva run down his beard. Ugh. You know, I just imagine that, just like the saliva just coming down your beard. Right, guys? I don't have a beard. But like, can you imagine? That's why, like, if, if people are like, well, why do you eat pizza with a fork and a knife? If there's garlic on my pizza, I don't want it getting on these hairs because I don't want to smell it later. David is like so salivating. He's like, I'm crazy. He was afraid. His fear caused him to do something. <laughs> I love it. There's, I think this is like the funniest verse in the Bible. Okay, I'm going to read it to you. You can look it up. It's 1 Samuel 21, 15. 
for those of you that are in classrooms, for those of you that have kids, for those of you that have co-workers, this is a verse that you may want to memorize, okay? He, so the king says, he says, look, you can see that this guy is crazy. Why did you bring him to me? Here's the funny verse. Do I have such a shortage of crazy people that you brought this one to act crazy for me? Like, it says it in the Bible. I love it. I love it. Like, and it's not even they didn't put it in there on purpose to be humorous. It's like, you parents know what I'm talking about. You teachers know what I'm talking about. Coworkers, you know what I'm talking about. Like, do I have such a shortage of crazy that you gave me one more? You gave me one more? Teachers are like, I will revolt. And I know what you mean, because I do that every day with my kids. Why do I tell you this? Psalm 34. Going to flip Psalm 34 now on the scriptures that are going to be on the slides today. It's just the actual verses themselves. But in the Hebrew, when they wrote it, your scriptures have a, a like a, a subheading, right? They have a little, they have a little, usually most Psalms, not all, but most Psalms have a phrase at the beginning of each Psalm. It'll say like Psalm 34, and then it'll say for, uh, for, from David, for the choir, or whatever, right? So listen to this one. This one says, concerning David, when he pretended to be insane in the presence of Abimelech, who drove him out, and he departed. It's the same story. Concerning David, when he pretended to be insane, like the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, when they were writing this scripture, when David was writing this, and when the scribes had it and copied it and copied it and copied it and all this jazz, like they kept it in there, like this is a good editorial note. You need to know what is about to follow. And this is what we read as we started our, our gathering today. Like what's going to follow here sets place in as he's thinking about what happened. David's like, hey, there was this one time I was afraid and I had to act crazy. I love it. Like this says when he pretended to be insane, the Hebrew there actually says like when he changed his demeanor, when he changed his behavior, when we are afraid, we should change our behavior. Like that's, like we're in, we're in a dangerous or stressful situation. There's a thing called, and this is neuroscience. Like if my daughter was in here, she's like, I hate science. I'm like, baby, if you learn science, you can hack your way through life. I hate hacking this for computers. No, no. It's a science term. Like if you learn this, then you can do a shortcut to this. It's an easy thing. There's a sympathetic system, your sympathetic nervous system right here. Is that right? And then it like goes all the way down your back. Anyway, when you are afraid or feel in danger, you have three responses, fight, flight, or what? Freeze. Fight, flight, or freeze. When you are afraid of something like your brain, God gave you, naturally kicks into gear and it gives you one of three choices. You're going to fight it, you're going to flee from it, or you're going to freeze. I remember when Mary and I first got married <laughs> and, uh, and like my cat would start to have a hairball. You remember that? And Tiffany would be like, what? And Mary would be like, ah, and she wouldn't know what to do. She would freeze. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to wait for it because I'm going to clean it up in just a moment. And like now she's like, like she sees it and she's like, hey, James, you got to go clean this up. I'm like, oh, man. And I'm like, I want to flee. But anyway, you don't fight that. You just, you, just, you, just can't, you just can't fight that. You just do it. But like when something crazy happens, we oftentimes will do one of those three things and it's the way God made us. It's the way God made our brains. For David, he changed his, he changed his behavior. His nervous system kicked in that God gave him and he either fought it, fleed from it, or he froze. Well, he didn't freeze and he didn't flee from it. He fought it. 
He changed his behavior. He went insane. What I love about Psalm 34, and I've said this to you before, when we study the Psalms, I love the Psalms. They're poets. They're, they're poetic pieces, right? But what I love about this particular Psalm is it's also an acrostic. And I've gone through this before, so I won't go through it ad nauseum. But it's, I've only said it once today. But what I love about Psalm 34 as an acrostic is that every, every letter or every stanza, every line starts with a, a corresponding letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it starts with Aleph and it goes to, it goes to, Va or whatever. Anyway, so where we get alphabet from, Aleph Bet, is the, Jew, the, the Hebrew words for uh, the first letter and the second letter, alphabet. Anyway, every line starts with something. The reason why they do that is for a mnemonic device, for memory device. So they make, the reason why they write Psalms certain ways is so that it's easier for you to remember. I bet if you were to write down every scripture that you, you can memorize, that you've memorized, I bet a lot of them are the Psalms, and you don't even know it. But they do it so you can memorize it easier. Also, Psalm 34 is chanted. They would chant these things, kind of like when we're singing songs. Some of the songs that we sing, they're not chants, but they're repetitive. That's why there's choruses. If you've ever like, why is there a chorus in songs? It doesn't really matter, like, baby, baby. Like, those get stuck in your head. Because, like, when you repeat it over and over again, like choruses, you're like, oh, I'll remember that. For that one time when I'm, like, with my whoever, and I'm like, baby, 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 oh. And they're like, man, you're weird. And that was what Psalm 34 does. So, getting into that. What did David want us to remember? Verse 1, he says, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Out of all the things that were going on in this situation, I could have been killed by the king of the champion that I slaughtered with my sword. Well, I mean, I slaughtered him with a stone and then I cut his head off. Like he was afraid of this guy. This guy could have been like, ah, I'm going to do something worse. I'm going to send you back to Saul. He's like, I want you to know out of the midst of your fear, the number one thing that you need to remember in the middle of the things that you're afraid of in life is to bless the Lord at all times. He could have said anything else. He's like, I want you to bless the Lord. I love this. At all times. It's like, I want you to bless the Lord in the easy times when everything's going great. When your kids, they wake up and they let you sleep in and they, they allow you to just, they're, they're not crazy. When your students aren't like throwing things across the room, but instead like they sit properly in their chairs, they're there on time and they got their pens and their pencils out. And they're like, yes, we're ready to learn now. And like, they don't interrupt you and they raise their hands appropriately. Or when your coworkers, when they're just not crazy. Uh, but when your coworkers like they they answer your emails appropriately and they they're hey can I get you a coffee today cool I'm gonna go to you know and they they do nice things and everything's perfect and David says I want you to bless the Lord in those times and then like when your kids are crazy when your coworkers are nuts when it's raining cats and dogs outside when there's no money in the bank when your marriage is falling apart when your friendships seem to be shattered when people seem to have stolen your rug or stolen other things of yours God wants you to. Bless the Lord at all times. In the good times and in the bad times, when people think you're crazy, it's like, hey, I want you to praise the Lord. At all times, like the beginning. So, if this, so for David, at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, at the Aleph for him, at the very most important part for him at the alpha moment if you're studying greek at the very beginning you should always bless the lord at all times 
It's like in the middle of my fear, I want everyone to remember to bless the Lord at all times. Well, how? How do you do that? His praise will always be on my lips. I want to ask you a question. Here's an application question. What are some ways that you can put your put praise on your lips daily? What are some ways that you can put praise on your lips daily? For some of us, it's easy. We're like, hey, for example, C112 has a quarterly playlist. These three songs that we sang today, now they're older songs. We've done these songs for quite a while. If you trekked with us, these were some older ones. But in fact, I want to tell you, I've, I've listened to the quarterly playlist already for the first quarter. It's on Spotify and it's on Apple Music. If you're like, hey, I don't have either of those, all the Spotify, you can get it for free. But if you don't have either of those, let me know and we can get the names of the songs you can listen to them on YouTube. Some of those are years old that we're going to be singing this, this quarter. And I love it. But that's an easy thing. You can just put praise songs on your lips, literally. For some of us, and that's safe. For some of us, it means that you need to ask the person that you come into contact with every day. It could be your, your family member, it could be a friend, it could be a coworker, it could be somebody in your house, it could be somebody like your neighbor. You can say, hey, how is God working in your life? And for a lot of us, it's like, man, that is, I'm, you just made my anxiety go up. Number one, maybe I'm an introvert. Number two, like, I just, I don't know. I don't know them that well. I don't like them. That's my own spouse. I just don't want to talk to them. Whatever. But your anxiety is always up, already up because you're thinking, I don't know if I can ask them, how's God working in your life today? Because that's in your face. I want to challenge you to. James, that's really hard. Okay. All right. Baby steps. Why don't you tell that person how God is working in your life? Like, I don't feel comfortable asking them, how does, how's God working in your life? But I will tell them, hey, you know what? God woke me up today. I went to a couple of different senior, I went to three, two, two or three, three different senior adult facilities this week, did Bible studies. And I loved, I love asking them every time I'll ask them and say, hey, how is God working in your life today? And you know what I, all of them will say? All of them. It's the weirdest thing. All of them will say this. They'll say, I woke up. God woke me up today. And like for those of us who are not in that age range or we're not in the, that, that, that spot of living right now, that, that, that journey of, of our life, we take advantage of that. But God woke us up today. So you can share that with people. Or, James, I don't know if I feel comfortable sharing how God's working in my life. Or maybe like we can't think of how God's working in our life, but He is. I want to challenge you with this. Pray with other people. When you don't know what to say, you can pray. And I didn't mean for that to rhyme, it just, it just came out. I believe, I believe wholeheartedly that, our, that His praise has got to be on our lips daily, always. So verse 2, he says, he continues, he says, I will what? I will boast in the Lord. I will brag about what God is doing in my life. I will brag about who He is. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you bragged about what God was doing in your life? When was the last time that you bragged about what God is doing in your life? We need to, look at verse 3. He says, I want you to proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Again, that's talking, that's bragging about God. It's telling other people, hey, this is how good God is. And I understand that we're in different spots of our journey. Some of us are really close, some of us are far away. Some of us are questioning, some of us are looking at, some of us are, hey, I've been in it for a while, but man, I want to go deeper. Some of us are like, man, the, the depth that I'm in right now is, I still feel over my head. I love it because I've told you the story before, never compare your journey of faith with someone else's, right? Love it, but we can always talk about what God's doing in our life. But here's, here's the kicker. Look at the last part of verse 3 here. What do we need to do? We, per, we exalt Him together. 
David, all of a sudden, he switches. He's like, hey, I want you to brag about God. I want his praise to be on your lips. I want you to pray, proclaim his name forever. I want you to just talk about him, talk about him, talk about him. You, you know you're, like, you're talking about the middle of that situation like where you could have died and you were afraid, right? Yeah. And that's why even in the middle of that, I, you need to boast about him, talk about him, praise him, and proclaim him. How do we do that? You do it together. You do it together. We need each other. Last night, Mary and I, we were, we were on a pier. We were on the pier in Bay St. Louis, just walking around with a, with a couple of old friends of ours. And I'll say old friends, like they're really Mary's old friends, but we've been together, we've been friends for like 20 years now. Can you believe that? We've been together for, it's like 2004. It's 19 years. It's a long time. <laughs> we have the grace to show it. But here's the thing. We were with these friends that have been with us this journey. And I knew the guy for a while, but she's known him for, for, for quite a while. And we were just talking about life. We're talking about our kids. We're talking about church. We're talking about, gosh, he talked about Papa John's pizza, working at it when he was a teenager. And we were just talking about how, what God is doing in our lives. Some of it was like really awesome stuff. Some of it was challenging things, but we got to share about that. You don't have to have like be at a Bible study and like everyone's kumbaya at the moment. And you're like, hey, let's talk about the Lord. You can do it when you're out eating wings at Uncle Joe's. That actually sounds really good right now. I even talked to my friend about my fears. There's scripture that says that perfect love casts out fear. Did you know that? Perfect love casts out fear. And that's another reason why we've got to praise his name all the time, forever, together. So I, I want you to look in your scripture. These aren't going to be on the screen. But there's a word, when I was reading this earlier, there's a word that's repeated five times. And so I've told you a frequency is... It's a big deal for me. Like I look at how often things are, right? The word fear is repeated five times. Verse four, says, I sought the Lord. He answered me and rescued me from all my fears. Skip down a few verses. Verse seven, it says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Verse nine, you, are his, you who are his holy ones, fear the Lord for those who fear him like nothing. Verse 11, come, come children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Now, one of those times, fear is about us. It's about the things that we're afraid of. It's the things that make us uneasy, the things that make us, it might be dangerous. The other four times, they're about fearing the Lord. Same word. One time, it's a noun, and it's about, what, about us. And we're the object. And four times, it's a verb. It's about God. When we make life about us, we'll wallow. When we make life about Jesus, we'll win. Like when we make everything about us, when we're on our stew pot, I talked to a patient just Friday about this, when we're on our stew pot and everything's about us, it's me, 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 my life sucks, my life's terrible, my life blah, 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 blah. Man, like you'll go, and I know this because I struggle with it a lot. Like we go into that downward spiral and there's no way that you're letting light and life and joy into your, into your life. There's no way you've, you put, you've put a cloud of darkness over you. But when you were like, man, I'm going to make life about Jesus, things start to pick up. Some of us, we aren't experiencing victory because we haven't made life about Jesus. Peter in the New Testament, I love it because Peter in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 3, he quotes a lot of verses out of Psalm 34 in chapter 3. One of them, by the way, there's several gems in chapter 34 worth worth uh, memorizing. I'm not going to read them out to you, but I want you to write them down. Verse 6, verse 7, 
verse 14, verse 15, verse 17, and verse 18, all excellent verses that you may want to memorize. Some of you, you've heard them, turn away from evil and do what is good, right? The Lord's eyes are on the righteous. I love this one. It says, the Lord is near the brokenhearted. I, I share that one in funerals a whole lot. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. But like putting these, committing these to ver, uh, memory. But my favorite, and we'll end with this, verse eight. My favorite is this one here. Because you can hear, you can hear my story and still not believe Jesus. You can hear, you can hear about how the Lord has worked with us and walked with us and held us in our times with Alex and burying Oliver and burying my mother-in-law. You, you could hear our stories about this. You could hear my story about how God called me to plant a church and how it happened in Israel and how he's been with me even over my fears every step of the way. And you could still not believe. But verse 8 gives us our main thing, our big idea, our application. Let me read it to you and I'll give you the big idea and we're done. He says, I want you to do what? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Here's your big ideas. I want you to try Jesus for yourself. And I know some of us are like, oh, I'm already doing the Jesus thing. No, no, no. I want you to try Jesus for yourself today. How do I do that? You, you, you put his praise on your lips. You talk about how great he is. You talk about what he is doing in your life. It's not that there's a God of the universe who's, who's happy with us. There's a God of the universe that has this righteous standard above us, and we can't attain it because of the sin in our lives. So he sent, he spent it all. He sent his son Jesus to this planet and who took our sin, punishment, our wrath, deserved for us. He took it for himself. Nailed it to the cross and rose again. And by trusting in him, that's where we get life from. This is the Lord that I want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. So in the Old Testament, in Psalm 34, when verse 8, when David says, I want you to taste and see that the Lord is good, he's, he's saying he's looking towards the Messiah, but he's saying the Lord God Almighty. But when Peter quotes it in 1 Peter chapter 3, and he says, taste and see that the Lord is good, when he quotes this exact verse, he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Kyrios Lord, the Greek Kyrios Lord Jesus Christ. He's equating the two together. He's like, I want, I want you to try out Jesus for yourself. Oh, I'm afraid, James, I'm afraid. I want you to try out Jesus for yourself. But James, my heart aches today. Well, I want you to try out Jesus for yourself. My marriage, my family, it's in disrepair. I want you to try out Jesus for yourself. James, I've, I've done too many bad things or too many things that I'm afraid of, too, too many things that I've got shame about, too many things that I have guilt over. And both Peter and David are saying, I want you to try out Jesus for yourself. Because I guarantee you, when you try out Jesus for yourself, happy is the person who takes refuge in him. That's a guarantee. I promise that. I will stake my life on that. I would bet everything in my bank account. I'd bet all of my children. I'd bet myself, not my wife. I'm just kidding. I would bet everything I've ever come into contact with that if you try Jesus for yourself, that you, you would be happy. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him? I literally would bank, I would throw everything at that and say, you could have everything if you, can, if you don't find that. I believe in it that much. Jesus, thank you for today.
And I know that you are bigger than our fears. And yet, Jesus, you don't want us to freeze. Jesus, you don't want us to flee away. Jesus, you want us to, to fight those fears by trusting in you. Jesus, it's my prayer that we will try you for ourselves, that we will taste and see that you are good. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it was encouraging for you and that you have a great week. God bless.